Hello and welcome to episode one of the Frame and Sequence podcast. My name is Todd Rittendero, and in this episode, I sit down and have a chat with artist and filmmaker Alex Hilkertz. Alex is a storyboard artist, a watercolorist, and director. He's worked in Hollywood storyboarding films for a very impressive roster of directors, such as Angelina Jolie, Nancy Myers, Cameron Crowe, Wally Feister, Ben Affleck, Joan Anthony Russo, and many, many more. And in addition, he has boarded over hundreds of commercials. Alex currently lives in Paris and is now moving into the fine art realm as well. In this conversation, we talk about how he started his career, some notable collaborations with directors, how he got into watercolor painting, his love of Paris, and he dropped some great gems for artists along the way. And I thought Alex would be a perfect guest for episode one of Frame and Sequence, so I hope you enjoy. Well, thanks so much for being here and for doing this. I really appreciate it. Of course. It's good to be here. It's it's surreal meeting you in person since I've only known you through Instagram and like watching you in gorgeous Parisian locations <laughs> and cafes sketching. Like, so suddenly here I am in 3D. Yeah, yeah. So like living that sort of artist dream in Paris. <laughs> well, how did you end up in Paris? Uh, my wife and I are there because of her job. We've been there almost five years. Uh, she's a film editor for animated features. Oh, and there's a studio in Paris, Illumination, uh, which does all the Despicable Me movies and the Minions movies. And they called, and uh, we just could not say no to Paris. So, Paris is always a good idea. Paris that? is always <laughs> a good idea, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so we we just moved. Uh, we got an apartment. I would uh, most of my work is here in Los Angeles, so I would come back and forth a lot, uh, which gets old. But for the last couple of years, I've, I've been in Paris more. I've, I've really sort of made an effort. It's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here, so. Right, yeah, very yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, I know probably from your social media, a lot of people think of you more as a watercolor artist, but you're, you started as a storyboard artist, correct? I've been a storyboard artist for 25 years. I've boarded over 50 feature films, probably a thousand commercials, um, wow. TV shows. So yeah, that's been my bread and butter for forever. Wow. Um, yeah. And how did you get your start in art initially? Did you go to art school? Or? I went to film school. I went to Chapman University in Orange. Uh, I'd, I've always been. I've always loved movies. Uh, I was always a huge movie fan, but I also always drew. Uh, my mother's a really good artist, so I think I just picked it up from her. I would always, just after school, I'd be drawn in my room. I'd be drawn spaceships and dragons and whatever, whatever you do. Um, and I took a couple art classes in high school, but I was always on the film track. So I went to film school. I was, I was definitely on that track. And then it was after graduation, I met a couple storyboard artists and it was sort of this perfect match of what I could do and what I knew I could do. Right. So yeah. And so were your drawing chops already sort of up to speed just from working on yourself? Uh, well, I thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I go back and look at some of those early boards of mine and they're pretty cringeworthy. They're pretty embarrassing. Um, I had storyboarded short films that I that I made in college, 
without really knowing. I, I sort of I knew what storyboards were. I sort of grew up on the art of Star Wars books. Yeah. Um, I was a huge Joe Johnston fan. I love his. Um, yeah, I mean, just flawless stuff. So I, I always knew what storyboards were. But it really wasn't until after I'd been a sort of a, a PA for about a year and a half doing, you know, just slogging through Hollywood trying to figure myself out that I met a professional storyboard artist on a, on a TV movie that I was working on. Wow. Um, I was a PA on. Um, and it was really the first time that I thought, oh, hang on, that, you can do that? <laughs> like, that's a, that's a career, that's a job that, that pays, you know? So uh, that was kind of, that was my light bulb moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very cool. And did you have a mentor then that sort of helped you bring stuff up or was it just sort of finding your way? I sort of found my way. I, um, this particular storyboard artist I met, his name's David Lowry. He's just a, a huge talent. He's done, you know, I mean, he's done everything. The film he, he had just come off of was the first Jurassic Park. So I'd, I'd seen his boards uh, and was really blown away by him. So I, I met him in passing. Uh, I've since, you know, met him since then over the years. But, um, but his boards were a huge influence on me. I would sort of copy his work and I would look at his stuff. And, and, and so that's, that was sort of my training, I yeah. guess. Um, uh, and at that time, you know, there really wasn't, it was hard to get your hands on storyboards. Um, now there's university programs, there's, right. you know, sequential art is, you can major in this and, right. um, you know, DVD extras and art of books and all this kind of stuff. But, but sort of 20, 25 years ago, it was, uh, it was kind of a, an obscure thing that you, you had to dig to find. Right. Yeah. Was there anything specific technique-wise that you took from him or composition or pacing, anything like that? I, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just sort of the way that, that figures were drawn. It was the kind of the camera angles that were chosen. Um, I just, I sort of got it. I saw that stuff and it, it really was exciting to me. Yeah. And again, going back to like the Joe Johnston Star Wars boards, uh, it was a similar, you can kind of see this through line of, of style. Sure. Um, so that, I was really drawn to that. And do you remember the first feature that you did? That you yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, my first feature, I was, I was hired as a PA on Phantasm Three. It was this horror movie. Nice. Um, and at the time, it went straight to video. But when we were making it, it was a proper feature film. And, and I was a PA in the office and, uh, you know, just getting everyone coffee and doing random errands around town. They had an office in Hollywood. It was a pretty small operation. And I, I think I'd already decided that I wanted to be a storyboard artist. Like I knew this is a choice that I, I knew I could do it. Right. And I must have told the director, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a pretty shy guy. So I, I'm like, what did I say that let them know that I wanted to do this? But the director just decided to give me a chance. And he said, all right, you know, we've got there's a car chase in this movie. There's, there's a couple visual effects that we need to figure out. Why don't you take a stab at it? So I drew up these storyboards and, and they used them, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And they gave me screen credit as a storyboard artist, which was my first, uh, credited storyboard thing. And, um, I, I just thought that was the coolest 
thing. That's so, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> From PA to storyboard. Yeah. In, I mean, in, well, in one I, go. Yeah. In one leap. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was a good deal for them because they got storyboards for a PA rate. Right. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sort of forever thankful that, that that was, that was a, you know, a huge step up for me. For sure. Yeah. And so after that, did things take off? <laughs> or was um yeah i mean kind of it, you know it's always a struggle but uh i i got hooked up with an agent early on no actually no before that i worked at a visual effects company i didn't yeah i didn't quite know how to make it work but there was a visual effects company that showed a little bit of interest when i called and so i just kept calling them and sort of i think i wore them down so they finally had me in. They don't exist anymore, but it was this company called Introvision. They were right in Hollywood. They, they sort of had one trick that they were really good at. And I worked there for about a year and a half. And they, when I first started, they, they did a couple shots on The Fugitive, mm. uh, the Harrison Ford movie. Right. And I, suddenly I'm like, oh, I have arrived. Like it was the coolest thing. Harrison Ford was in the office. It was just a big deal for me. But being there, they had a ton of uh, artwork from all these projects that they had bid on over the years. And, you know, they'd worked with some pretty talented artists and they just had drawers and drawers of illustrations. So I would just pour over these and really, I mean, that was kind of my paid training. It was yeah. nice. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and then, so did, did you develop your own? approach to boarding once you sort of got more into the features yeah I did I um, I think ev everybody kind of does you sort of have people that you admire or you see you know techniques that that you like and you try to emulate that um, but it it kind of you you just sort of can't help but develop your own technique your own style right um, and you can't you have to develop a a shorthand you have to be fast right so it's almost like this style is born out of necessity like oh you got to crank through however many frames a day or however many right script pages a day or whatever it is for sure um yeah do you like a lot of reference or at this point is it mostly from your head i like a lot of reference um i'm always whenever i start on a project i always say give me as much as you can sometimes they don't have it um other times you know, you're flooded with images. Uh, and I think it's great. I mean, you know, you can always look stuff up. It, the internet is kind of this amazing thing. I, you know, I'm, I, when I started boarding, it was, oh, what does a fire truck look like? You know, what does a whatever look like? So I'd be going to the library and looking, you know, trying to find books with photos in them. But, but now you just, you know, Google whatever. Google is your friend. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> But yeah, research research people on on movies are are amazing. Yeah, you know whether if you're doing a period piece, if you're doing whatever it is, yeah, the more the more reference, the better. Yeah, I'm sure it varies all over the board, but in your experience, do you feel like most directors give you a shot list to work from, or do you work next to a director, or are you left to your own devices? It's really it depends on the project. Um, I work one on one with directors and we sort of figure out scenes together. Sometimes the directors are very specific about a shot list or a, a certain you know, few shots that they, they're kind of married to. 
Um, other times they have no idea and you're in the room together and, and you, you kind of figure it out together. And that's, that's what I love. That's the, the part of the job that I think is the most exciting, just being in the room. Oftentimes it's just me and a director. Oftentimes there's a cinematographer involved, but it's like, it's sort of three people in a room figuring out what a movie's going to look like. And you're talking about visual language. You're talking about, you know, pacing and, and, you know, you're, you're referencing other films or other, you know, paintings or images or whatever it is, but trying to make the movie that, that you're making a unique thing. And I, absolutely love that process yeah that must be so much fun just a small group of people before the giant crew and it's the best figuring. it's absolutely yeah yeah and it's and it's a great i mean you know in the grand scheme of things it's not that expensive it's sort of a a very efficient way to get your head around a big action scene or a huge piece of choreography or you know even you know transitions uh are you know are hugely important but often forgotten for sure so it's just you know just crafting the visuals of a movie is uh yeah i love it yeah is there one film in particular that stands out as being sort of the most illuminating to where you learn the most that i've worked on Mm -hmm. yeah uh well that i've learned the most i don't know I have a couple sort of all-time favorite work experiences. One uh, was Almost Famous. I worked with Cameron Crowe on Almost Famous, uh, and everything about that project was just a dream project. Oh, that. Um, I've since done five movies with him and a couple other projects, but that was the first time that I'd worked with him, uh, and I loved his movies up until then, uh, and so this was kind of, again, sort of a dream project. and. He, he's one of those guys that's just really, he loves the process. He loves to invite you into the process and you make, you feel like you're making the movie together. You're not being told this is what we're going to do. It's like, no, let's figure this out together. Um, so that was just a ton of fun. Yeah. So much fun. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing like that collaboration to just, yeah, absolutely. Make it so much fun. Absolutely. I mean, uh, is there anything that you feel like you've taken away from directors that uh, that you've used in your own work? I th- I think you've mentioned before too that you you also direct, right? I have done second unit directing okay. uh, a couple times with Nancy Myers on two of her films. On it's complicated and the intern. Oh. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, she was great enough to to really, again, invite me into that process early, early on. Uh, we boarded every scene of both those movies which was an exhaustive process <laughs> um, and then I was on set and and it just sort of segued into me directing second unit um, I think she saw that throughout that all that process she saw that I got what she was after I kind of had a similar attention to detail that she has um, and and she felt that she could trust me in that role um, so again, that was just a massive step up. Like signing those DGA papers oh, was yeah. just, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good day. <laughs> you know, those screeners are on their way when you sign that. <laughs> oh man, that's fun. How do you approach a, a larger or complicated sequence? Do you like thumbnails or is, do you have a particular approach to that kind of work? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, again, it depends, it depends on the project, but 
but yeah, I will. I'll thumbnail out a lot of a lot of things if it's uh, if it's a very sort of complicated, you know, piece of choreography for whatever reason. It takes a while to wrap your head around it. You know, you have to figure out the physical action of a scene, and then which which the script gives you, but sometimes once you start getting into the you know the meat of it you realize well hang on you know i there's there are some bits that are a little underwritten um or or sort i don't know scripts uh, scripts and boards are a different animal sure but yeah so you figure out what physically is happening and then you have to figure out the best way to shoot that the best sort of the best angles to choose to to convey that action or the most exciting ways to convey that action. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it's a lot of thumbnails. It's a lot of, if it's a car chase, it's a lot of playing with hot wheel cars and, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, right. whatever, sure. whatever you need. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so I'll thumbnail stuff out. Oftentimes directors or DPs will want to see the thumbnails and then I'll go back in and, and really kind of flesh those out and, and make them look nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, do you work digitally now, or I work digitally. Yes, did. yeah. I was I was kind of an early adopter. Uh, a, a friend of mine, a board artist named Mark Baird, was the first guy that I knew that went digital that started drawing on a Cintiq tablet. Yeah, and I had never seen anything like this before. It was just the coolest thing. So that opened a door for me. And uh, I was living in New York at the time, and I was. I was doing work with a director in LA and I'd worked with the director in the past so we could sort of talk on the phone and we kind of spoke each other's language, but just drawing on physical paper and then scanning and faxing and it was so labor intensive. At the end of every day, you'd still have another hour and a half of noodly work just to physically get them the, the drawings. Right. And so I thought I, I have to make the leap and I, I think I was drawing traditionally on a Friday. I got a computer and a tablet over the weekend and sort of figured it out. And on Monday, <laughs> I was drawing digitally. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Makes uh, changes a lot easier, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of half the game. I, I, any given scene of a film, I'll probably draw five different times because there's, there's always changes. Either the script will change, the location will change, or things will get revised throughout the process. And so you're constantly changing your boards. Right. Yeah. And digitally, is it just makes all that easier. Yeah. I know that in, uh, in animation, you have to present your boards and sort of make your case to why a sequence works or not. Is that, does that happen in live action as well? Not in the same way. It, it, animation, traditionally, you kind of have this whole, you know, everyone comes into a big conference room and you've got all the boards literally taped up on a board or, you know, projected onto a screen and the board artist talks everybody through the sequence and maybe does some voices and acts stuff out and it's a real performance. Yeah. And the people who are good at it are, I'm kind of in awe of that. It's an amazing talent. It's a whole other skill. <laughs> it's <sure>. a whole, <laughs> yes. It's like as if drawing isn't hard enough. Um, in live action, it's very different. It's, it's, it's kind of the boards speak for themselves or, or they should. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, I will talk through them with a director or a DP or whoever wants to see them, but it's much, it's much more 
you look at a page of storyboards and you should be able to read what's going on. There's descriptions and dialogue and arrows and you know it's a very sort of sequential okay I can I can see what's going on here I don't need someone to explain this to me right I, I'm sure for some of the other for some of the bigger studio projects you do it's probably a lot of stuff under lock and key and whatnot yes uh, I would imagine Marvel is that way you did Winter Soldier I did I did I did a little bit of work early early days on Winter Soldier uh, which was a great experience but yeah the secrecy was was uh, was a challenge. <laughs> um, it was the first project that I'd worked on where I was not allowed to read the script. And as a board artist, that's that's your Bible, right? You know, you you need to you need to read every line very closely. A writer's put a lot of work into this. You have to translate those words into images. Um, if you don't have that, <laughs> it's tricky. Um, and so I would, uh, I would go in for meetings and I, you know, it'd be me and the directors and a producer sitting around a conference table and I would be handed one scene of script pages, you know, three or four pages wow. of script pages. Uh, I'd read it in front of them and then I'd have to hand it back to them <laughs> and then we could talk about, uh, we could talk about the scene and, um, it was a very alien process to me. <laughs> I bet, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. For somebody who might be thinking about this, is obviously drawing is a huge skill set that one should probably have. Is there anything else related to storytelling that you feel like, I mean, does writing play into your thing at all? Like really understanding script structure or? Absolutely. Um, I Yeah, script structure definitely. Writing helps. I think everything, that, sort of every aspect of filmmaking that you can know more about is going to help you as a storyboard artist. I think the biggest thing is uh, you need to understand film language. You need to understand what different compositions mean or how screen direction affects the mood of an audience. You know, how characters enter or leave a room, what, what kind of camera angles best convey an emotion that you want to convey so yeah drawing is key but you also need to know visual language you need to know the language of film yeah do you guys get into lens choices at that stage or anything or not yes if i'm working closely with with dps they will often talk about lenses i don't know i've i've never I've never really been on a project where somebody is super specific about, oh, well, this is this is a 65 and this is a 200 and this is a whatever. Right. I mean, I, I kind of know my way around a lot of that. But for what I do, it's like, oh, is it a wide angle? Yeah. <laughs> is it a long lens? <laughs> is it, you know, is, you know, it's 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 a little it's a little more vague. You have to be able to tell the story efficiently mm -hmm. um, but it's I, from what I from my experience and the jobs I've done um, it's not that technical as far as lenses gotcha do you see yourself going more into directing I would love to yeah 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 I went to film school I've made short films uh, I've done some writing so it's just it is something that I've always been interested in and yeah I mean telling telling a story in that way is, is can be an incredible thing. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Very cool. 
Uh, switching gears just a little bit. I mean, I found you through Instagram and your incredible watercolors. What what got you interested in sort of that more traditional painting route? I I've always uh, I've always drawn. I've always sketched, um, especially when traveling. I always pack a sketchbook. I did watercolor paintings in my twenties. Um, I, I sort of put it away for a long time, um, and it's really been this last sort of five years, especially living in Paris, when we first were, when my wife and I were first thinking about moving, I thought, I want to sketch that city. Like, what an incredible thing to do. And so I took all my, you know, my sketchbooks and my little watercolor kits and whatever, whatever I had at the time. And it was just, you know, I just really started getting into it. And now there's a whole community that I found of, you know, sketchers and watercolor artists and especially online uh, in Paris in particular, but especially online, there's this global community of artists and I've, I've just dove in head first. Yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed watching all of it on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's taking me to amazing places. It's yeah. pretty fun. <laughs> um, I mean, Paris is not a bad city to sketch either. Paris is not too shabby. Yeah. It's, it's ugh, yeah. I mean, every street corner is an inspiration. It's really, really, really a beautiful place. So, right. It's fun to sketch, and then I've just been getting much more into watercolor and, and really kind of experimenting with light and color, and, you know, yeah. it's kind of a, it's a different world for me, because the storyboard world is very, it's black and white. You're doing black and white sketches. You deal with lighting a little bit, but you, there's no color, you know, there's no, I don't know, you know, and it's also yeah. digital versus traditional, so. Right. Yeah. You, you seem to have a very specific style with in your watercolor work. Was that a conscious choice, or did that come out of boarding? I mean, it's almost like a very efficient style, <laughs> which probably boarding influenced a little bit. But I think, yeah, I think my my boarding has absolutely influenced my style. Um, I think they play off each other now. I look at I look at paintings I did or sketches I did four or five years ago and and I really used to put much more detail in I, I really would be very precise about every little architectural detail and I and they kind of looked a little dead they didn't have life to them and so over the last few years I have developed this style that's that's a lot more loose I do it's almost I, gestural in a way for which sounds weird for a building but like well yeah I mean energy it's to it. yeah thanks it's um it's fun to uh, you know, I mean, drawing storyboards, you're you're drawing action. You're drawing, I forget who said this or where I read this, but you, you basically want to draw the verb, not the adjective. And so oh, I like that idea. you're kind of, you know, you're drawing a, a punch or you're drawing a, a lunge or whatever it is, um, rather than somebody who is jumping. You know, it's, um, it's kind of a, just a different attitude about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I... I try to incorporate that in my sketches. If I'm drawing a building, uh, you know, I think about what is what is is the action. It's sort of an esoteric concept because you know you think well, a building is just sort of sitting there, but but maybe it's it's lunging into the street, or maybe it looks like the prow of a ship that's sort of you know plowing forward or. Yeah. or the roof is sort of hunching down or, or whatever it is. And so for me, that, that helps kind of infuse a little bit more personality into, you know, just a, you know, a building. Right. Yeah. 
Is there anything else you think about from more of the sequential aspect of storyboarding that you put into a single frame of a watercolor painting? Yes, I, I do think about watercolor paintings as telling a story. I've done a lot of keyframes mm -hmm. for film, um, and so you have one image to, to tell a story, to tell a story of a scene or a specific action or whatever it is. And I, f I feel like when I'm doing, if I'm painting a, you know, a Parisian cafe, I feel like there's a story there. If it's a, you know, if it's a busy Saturday night versus a relaxed Sunday morning, it's going to be a slightly different story. It's going to be a slightly different focus or attention to detail or a, a mood. Uh, and so that's, I, I think about that all the time. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, your sketches definitely have a lot of life into them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you have any favorite materials or way of approaching watercolor that you found? Yeah, I, um, I have, I've developed a lot of favorite materials. I've been drawing on Canson Heritage paper. Uh, it just has a really nice grain to it. You know, a nice heavy sort of 300 gram paper. Uh, there's there's many kinds of paper that I love. There's arches. There's you know, Sennelier makes a really nice paper. I'll start with a pencil sketch. I like to use a dark, sort of a 5B, 6B kind of pencil. I'll do a quick pencil sketch, uh, and then I'll do an ink sketch. I have a fountain pen with waterproof ink uh, that I'll do a. Again, I kind of keep keep it very loose, keep the keep the details to a minimum. How, um, how do you choose which details to include or which not? <laughs> or that's more, that's more of a secret trick to the trade, isn't it? Based on that look. <laughs> no, I, no, it's not. I, I, I don't know if it's a secret, but it's it's sort of one of those things that's hard to it's hard to describe. I again, I, I think it comes back to the story you're telling or where you want the focus to be. I have all these philosophies about what makes a good piece of art. And for me, the type of sketch and the type of painting that I do and, and that I see other people do, it's a conversation between the artist or the piece of art and the viewer. And if you put too many details in, it's like a boring monologue. If you leave details out, it can be a really interesting dialogue. The viewer will fill in details. You can draw kind of the roof line of a car to suggest a vehicle and the viewer clearly sees a car or, you know, figures seated at a table or whatever it is. Um, it's almost the more sketchy you are, the more impressionistic you are just to suggest things, the more interesting it is to look at. I find this with scripts as well if there's a script that's heavy on detail and oh he was holding a what this specific type of gun and he looked down the site and around the corner you know blah 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 it's boring as hell but if you know there's certain writers Cameron Crowe's one of them the script is almost a sketch and it's incredibly vivid but it invites you in and you can't help but be engaged and so for me, a, a, a painting or a sketch is, is kind of a similar thing, uh, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, <laughs> I, I love that philosophy, and I think about that idea a lot. I have a lot of trouble executing that sort of <laughs> simplistic, not simplistic isn't the right word, but sort of the, yeah, what to leave out and what to 
leave for the participation of the viewer or yeah. reader or wh whatever the yeah yeah and there's all these there's all these tricks you know you sort of want a you want a center of attention you want a focal point or a couple focal points um, and there's a lot of little tricks you know with linear perspective or atmospheric perspective or wherever you have the most detail and the most contrast is where your eye is going to go um, and so if you're page is covered in detail and contrasty colors your eye is not going to know where to go and it's going to your drawing is going to kind of be a mess right but if you concentrate those details in one or two areas and the rest of your page is a little less defined it's suddenly this thing that's kind of alive and it's it's much cooler to look at yeah i love that idea <laughs> uh was was leaping into color a big learning curve for you Huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still is. <laughs> do you prefer a limited palette or how did you sort of jump into that arena? I do prefer a limited palette. I have, I, I have a palette that has a lot of colors on it and I tend to gravitate towards, you know, really just a handful of colors with my watercolor. Well, and it helps Paris as a city is a very, has a very limited color palette. Right. It's basically three colors. It's, and funnily enough, I think it's like the French flag. It's blue, white, and red. Right. <laughs> the rooftops are kind of this dusty, pale gray, blue, slate, not, not whatever they're made out of, but that color roof. Um, the buildings themselves are this pale stone color, which is kind of a warm, you know, depending on the light. And, the, and then there's these brilliant red awnings at street level. So you know and you look around the city and that's kind of what you see it's this really uniform beautiful place then you have some greens and trees you have some other colors that you can bring in but yeah so I kind of developed I, I think it's probably good that I've been in Paris learning more about watercolor painting rather than a, you know a city like Venice or somewhere that's that's a little bit more explosive with color sure um, but yeah yeah and have you found yourself influenced by any of the greats in the way that they approached? Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I, I sort of fell in love again with all the impressionists. Um, it's hard to beat Monet. Yeah. Um, you sort of look at what he was up to and I don't know. I mean, I th art kind of peaked <laughs> <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, I've always been a huge Rembrandt fan. I, I remember when I first started out as a storyboard artist, I would study his etchings mm -hmm. and his doodles because he just had this amazing uh, freehand to suggest figures yeah. um, that I loved. But, you know, even his paintings, just the, the his, that's a pretty limited palette, actually, what he does. Mm -hmm. Very, very browns and blacks and, but great lighting as well. Like just this amazing lighting. Yeah. But yeah, Monet, uh, Degas. I love Corot, uh, you know, I have so many, so many I know. of those guys. I look yeah. at those and I just cry. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, a daily art practice or do you, do you keep a, like a daily sketchbook or routine with, with your art? I'm, I always carry a sketchbook with me. I, I probably draw every day. I don't think I paint every day. I'd, I'd like to, but, you know, days have a tendency to fill up. But, um, but I always have a sketchbook with me. Yeah, so, you know, if I'm walking around the city or if I'm wherever I am, there's, you know, there's always going to be something that's going to be interesting to, to, to try to capture. Yeah. 
I know for myself, I have a bit of a self-consciousness issue with like being at a cafe and pulling out a sketchbook. Did, did you ever hear anything like that or did it just become a part of? Yeah, it's, that is a struggle. It's a weird thing. I, I, an, an artist friend of mine was saying she was doing a workshop and people were talking about this exact thing. And she was like, it's weird with sketches. People want to come and look over your shoulder. I mean, it's kind of flattering, but at the same time it can be intrusive. And if you're, if you're writing in a journal, no one is going to come up to you and say, can I read what you're writing? (laughs) But somehow with a sketch, it's, it's different. Yeah. Sometimes I'll find a table with my back against the wall, you know, find a place where people can't see what you're doing. <laughs> do, you, um, do you tend to work in a smaller one or a, like sketchbook? a large, Yeah. I have, I have a number of sketchbooks. I have, um, I have one that's kind of a probably eight by eight inches, um, that I really like. Um, one I've been using lately is a Strathmore 400 series mm. watercolor sketchbook. That's kind of, I guess it's about eight by 10, maybe a little bit bigger. And I just like that side, that, size is good yeah kind of spread out a little bit on that page right yeah very cool how else has living in paris influenced you as an artist in general i think you can't help but be inspired by that city it's a beautiful city to walk around in i mean you know it gets crowded and busy and loud but you know, every now and then you're just sort of stopped in your tracks by something that's stunningly beautiful. Um, the way the light is hitting a building or whatever it is. You also, for me, I can't help but feel the history in those streets. You know, you think about, okay, yeah, I'm literally walking in the footsteps of Hemingway or, you know, Camus or, or whoever it is. Um, or, you know, the great artists, um, yeah, I think I have a, about four copies of, of a movable feast <laughs> <laughs> of various iterations. Yeah. Like anytime I see a crusty copy, you just got to buy it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, you think, wow, I, yeah, I'm in, you know, yeah, I, I, I used to, I don't now, but I used to carry a copy around in my bag and I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to, today I'm going to go to, you know, Place de Contrescarpe. I'm going to order a wine and I'm going to sit and I'm going to read a movable feast literally around the corner from where he lived um and it just oh it's the greatest yeah, feeling feel that magic <laughs> i mean do you do you enjoy hitting some of the more traditional historic cafes like cafe de flore or any of those yeah that's right in our neighborhood um i don't go i mean i have been to all those places but i don't sort of go there regularly mm-hmm. it's funny because it's i don't know it's a whole thing with when places become famous right. or or whatever it is and you think well yeah when when Hemingway and all those guys were going to those cafes, they probably had a different vibe to them. Absolutely. I would imagine. Yeah. And a lot of people who go there now are going there because of, you know, what it was however many years ago. If you had to guess, or is there a place for you that is just, that is your cafe that would have been the, you know, equivalent, not with the history per se, but thus you find artists are going there or it's just more of the... I don't, I haven't found, I haven't really found kind of artist hangout cafes. I mean, there are, there are some, but I, I don't sort of regularly go, but there's a number of, of nice sort of cozy places right in our neighborhood that, that you feel like you can make your own and it's, it's pretty great. Nice. And even if, you know, 
I don't know, there's not a plaque on the wall that says so-and-so sat here once, you know, but it's, I don't know, you still feel like you're part of that city. You're kind of carrying on some traditions in some sort of way, right, you know? Right, for sure. <laughs> Speaking of which, I mean, you've, you've started teaching over the last year, or is it more now? No, that... uh, this year, yeah, I've started to do more and more workshops, uh, watercolor and sketching workshops. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And does that have to go hand in hand with the social media aspect that, I mean, you're kind of blown up on Instagram <laughs> for the artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the first workshop I did was in Riga, Latvia. Um, and I was contacted by a group of women who started kind of a local sketching group mm -hmm. in their city. They found me uh, through Facebook. Uh, there's a sketching Facebook site. Um, that I post a lot of stuff to. So they found me through there they, and they emailed me, oh, we like your stuff. Why don't you come give a workshop? And so it was this huge sort of leap of faith for them. You know, they didn't really know me. Uh, they didn't know if I could teach. Okay. Uh, but uh, we just had a brilliant weekend and it was just a ton of fun. And I thought, yeah, I could, I could do this. <laughs> I could do this a little yeah. bit more. Was that your first time teaching? It was my first time teaching watercolor and this kind of sketching. I have done very similar talks for storyboards mm. um, to different school groups of all ages, uh, ranging from elementary all the way up to university and adults. So it wasn't completely foreign to, to get up in front of a group of people and, and talk about composition and talk about you know, how an image can tell a story and, and what kind of techniques you can use to, to help that. Yeah. So, so there was a lot of overlap, which, which helped me. Is there anything that you find that you've learned about drawing or visual storytelling through your teaching that now you have to sort of form into words that maybe you knew intuitively? Is there anything that stands out to you in that respect? You know, one of the hardest things is to, I do, when I, part of, Oh, the workshops that I do, I do a demo. So I'll sit down and, and do a sketch and kind of lead everyone through my process and they can all look over my shoulder while I'm doing this. And I find it really hard to talk and draw at the same time. <laughs> so that's, I'm getting better at it. Mm -hmm. But uh, the first couple of times it was, you know, you sort of feel the silence in the room and I think, oh man, I should be explaining what I'm doing because... For me, it, it, you know, I've been doing it so long and it, it is a lot of it's second nature. Um, if I'm mixing colors, you know, I don't, maybe I don't know the exact name of the color I'm using because I've used it so many times. I know that it works. Right. But for somebody who's watching me or somebody who's paid to be in a class, they, they're going to want to know certain information. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something that, that I'm getting better at. Cool. But you seem to be enjoying it, right? I do. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's really fun to work with. Well, it's fun to meet other artists in all these different cities. You know, people that uh, I've maybe known online but never met or whatever. And, and just, you know, everyone kind of comes from different backgrounds, different experience levels. And it's just fun to spend the day together drawing and teaching what I can teach. You know, passing on some of the things that I've picked up over the years. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the things that's drawn me to it is just being off the computer, creating something yeah. like an artifact that at the end of the day you hold in your hand and it's done. And Absolutely. It's like a nice sort of respite from filmmaking, which is this can be this endless ethereal Definitely. <laughs> you know, project. Definitely. I, um, 
it wasn't my first Paris sketch, but uh, I had just come off a pretty brutal film uh, here in LA where I, I just had to crank out you know hundreds and hundreds of storyboards and they were they were not the quality that I would <laughs> that I would prefer because it was just the schedule and the amount of work I just had to be drawing so fast yeah and so you know I got back to Paris and I, I thought I want to take three hours to do one drawing and I want to draw these these roofs you know this view from my apartment and I want to look at every little window and I want to concentrate on these colors and the way the light is changing and it was this really kind of meditative process and it was tactile it was drawing on actual paper you know with right you know paints and pencils and stuff that you can smell and touch and I, I just wanted to go th as far in the other direction as I could from this manic digital storyboard project that right. I'd just come off yeah for sure yeah do you set a time limit for yourself or with drawings or do you have because of your style, you're drawing drawing within a half an hour, or is there? Uh, it depends on the subject matter. It depends how much, how big I'm drawing. It depends on the level of detail I want to put in. I can sort of do a quick, you know, pen and wash illustration in you know probably twenty or thirty minutes. But kind of a larger, fleshed out painting is going to be a couple hours at least. Mm -hmm. I don't give myself a time limit, it, you know, the time, the time limit is <laughs> like, oh, I'm suddenly starving <laughs> or I need to pee <laughs> or, you know, right. this traffic is really too loud for me right now or the sun is setting or whatever it is. So, um, but I don't like to, you know, set a little stopwatch or whatever it is and be like, nope, I've, you know, I have 45 minutes to complete this. And so, you know, for me, it's a very different thing. I want to, I want to slow down. I right. want to spend time getting to know a place yeah. through a drawing and kind of find your way through it. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. Yeah. Just slow down, slow everything down Yeah, and you know, let the, let the chaos of the world kind <laughs> of subside a little bit. And I just, I'm just going to do this one drawing as long as it takes. And right. it's really a nice thing to yeah, do. Absolutely. <laughs> do you enjoy the social media aspect of it? I do very much. Yeah. It's, um, it can be addictive, but it's a great community. It's a, there's a really great supportive global community of artists. And, uh, I mean, it's a global community, but it's also a small world. Yeah. Everybody kind of knows everyone and, uh, you, you start to recognize everyone's styles and, you know, you, you're influenced by somebody and you in turn influence someone else. And there's all these conversations that are going on and it's, it's really, I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Uh, from the various lectures you've given, do you find that there's one question that pops up more than others? Lately, people want to know about perspective. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no easy fix for that, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for whatever reason, in the last two or three workshops I've given, it's sort of always come back to, okay, well, you know, this is great and all, but tell me again what a vanishing point is and how do I, how do I translate this onto a page? Um, so I think I, I've, st I've had a few people request a whole workshop just on perspective. Oh, wow. yeah. So I think I, that might be happening soon. Oh, cool. <laughs> do you have any traditional books that you like to steer people towards in terms of like either understanding perspective or figure drawing or I have some favorites of figure drawing. 
And I can't remember any of the names right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll, uh, we'll put them in the notes. <laughs> Been into the, uh, the dipping back into the Bridgman one lately. Okay. Just for okay. Kind of George Bridgman mm. sort of really sort of constructural looking mm. like angular but mm. for me I it helps me understand how everything interconnects yeah you know it's really it's funny like you I've done a lot of life drawing um, and you you can fall into the habit of sort of drawing the outline mm -hmm. of people like oh this is how this arm goes and there's this negative space here but um, but yeah there's a different technique where you you're looking at the volume and you're looking at like you said how things connect and how yeah, it's more yeah. much more thinking around the form and yeah, yeah, almost like sculpturally instead of absolutely just copying. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I like yeah. that approach. So, what's what's next for you? Do you still take on boarding assignments, or are you moving more into fine art? I'm kind of seeing where fine art is taking me. Uh, it's pretty fun. I'm I'm definitely keeping my toes in the storyboard world. Mm -hmm. I'm, I do uh, mainly commercials from Paris because I can do them long distance. There's a couple directors that I work with. Nice. Um, that you know they know where I am and even if I'm in LA they're always traveling so most of the work is just over email so that works out really really well yeah I've turned a couple features down a couple TV projects which hurts always hurts <laughs> <laughs> do you think you'd ever like to get in the gallery world or start yes doing uh, I would like that I've had a couple offers recently um so that's kind of another that's exciting. yeah it's another opportunity that is pretty cool yeah yeah very cool and selling pieces like yeah, i don't know it's this whole new world that i feel like i'm i'm pretty new in or it's constantly evolving for me yeah i've really been up until this point i've been very protective over the whole idea of monetizing this talent or this skill or whatever it is because right. um, i know that if you introduce money too soon, you can really kill the spirit of something. Um, and so I'm, I'm just very, very protective over that. But also at the same time, I am getting to a point where, you know, I've sort of generated enough, enough pieces that I could sell some originals and not be too brokenhearted about it right. <laughs> or get prints made and sell those or, sure. you know, yeah. Other, whatever other options are available. Yeah. yeah. And then are you in Paris for the long term or is well, we are there for the next, I don't know, seven or eight months, I would think. My wife's job ends next year. She's been on a project for, it will be about three years, and it's coming to an end. Uh, and then we don't know. We don't know. We're kind of avoiding the question. Right. Because <laughs> we like Paris. We love Europe. But uh, we'll see. We don't know. Cool. Yeah. And then you have a couple exciting workshops coming up, one in Tuscany in 2020 right that's right it's yeah it's it's a ways away but um a woman contacted me who again saw my work and liked it uh she runs a villa in tuscany um <laughs> and she does these 10-day retreats she invites wow. different artists uh to come and basically be uh, an instructor for 10 days you paint every day you know it's a small group it's like 10 to 15 people wow you paint every day but then there's also wine tasting and tours to local villages and man you're living the artist's life oh it's incredible <laughs> yeah i mean that came up and i was like are you kidding me like this is a thing absolutely yes i'm gonna do this amazing i love it and i i mean originally i said yeah i'll, I'll went as soon as you want me i'm there and the first time slot she had was <laughs> 2020 which feels forever away but yeah um, yeah yeah oh that's 
going to be really fun to look forward to it. Yeah, and really fun to do. Yeah. Just maybe to wrap up, is there any for an artist out there who's looking to take their chops up, any specific advice that you think about or that you like to offer to your students? For for fine art, for storyboards. Yeah, for... I guess I guess I guess for let's maybe the fine art thing since storyboarding is kind of its own yeah beast um, to deconstruct. Yeah, you know, there's so many. There's just there's millions of sketchers around the world, and there's a there's a great online community, and I think. It doesn't matter your level of experience. It doesn't matter if you think you have talent or not. It doesn't, none of that matters because you're expressing yourself in a sketchbook and it can be as simple as a little doodle or it can be a, you know, a really complicated detailed sketch or painting. It's just the important thing is that you're, you're expressing yourself, but you're also kind of spending time observing a place or a thing or whatever it is. And that's something that we don't do enough of right. <laughs> in our lives. Absolutely. Um, for me, this it, it's, it's a form of meditation to spend time with a traditional sketchbook with a traditional pen or pencil and, and you know, a, however much time you have, it can be a really great experience. So, I guess uh, it, even with with traveling, it's a deeper way to see a place. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's what first sort of attracted me to it. Yeah. I take a lot of photos wherever I travel. Me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I love I love photography, but I find also that the more photos I take, the less attention I spend, or the less attention I take. Right. And sketching for me is the opposite. It's you you spend more time in fewer places, but you go deeper. Right. Um, and you really, I don't know, you, you hear the sounds of what's around you, you feel the sunshine, you, you, you just kind of soak it in. And it's, it gets into your memory in a really deep way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna try to veer more in that direction. Because nice. uh, with photography, for me, it's always like, you can either be in the place or you can be taking photo of the place so you can't it's really hard to it's hard both. to do both it's hard to be present yeah if you're taking a picture yeah 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 and you can i mean i again i love photography i love you know you can capture an image you can whatever it is and they're so great to look at later mm-hmm. but sketching is a different thing for sure um yeah that's fun cool well i'm really looking forward to your workshop tomorrow which i'm going to be sitting in on i'm looking forward to this for weeks now looking forward to having and, you uh, there hopefully man. we'll learn something yeah absolutely <laughs> and thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it. thank probably... you so much this is really fun. yeah is there any place you want to steer people towards uh yeah my website is uh alexhillkurtzart.com uh my instagram is at hillkurtz cool uh, i'll put all that in the notes as well yeah yeah and find cool. me and drop me a note say hello Cool. Thanks for doing this, Alex. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.